For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Well, today is a rather unusual day because in just a few days, we are going to be celebrating five years at Social Media Examiner. So I thought it'd be really interesting to reflect upon what it was like to build this big platform that we have at Social Media Examiner. So with that, let's transition over to that right now. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. To help simplify your social safari, here's this week's special guest. I'm excited to be joined by none other than Michael Stelzner. Mike is the founder and CEO of of Social Media Examiner, and the host of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. Millions of people read Social Media Examiner. The site publishes two original blog posts daily and emails more than 290,000 email subscribers each day. Mike's podcast is consistently rated as a top 10 marketing show in iTunes. He also wrote the books Writing White Papers and Launch. Mike, welcome to your show. (laughs) <laughs> Eric, it's a pleasure to be on my very own show. And why don't you go ahead and tell everyone who you are? Sure. Uh, I am Eric Fisher, community manager at Social Media Examiner and host of the Beyond the To Do List podcast. Today, Mike and I will explore what he knows about building a large online platform. Mike, back when you started in 2009, did you ever think Social Media Examiner would grow to the size it is today? You know, it's a great question. I didn't think it would be this big, to be honest with you. As a matter of fact, I gave it three years. I thought, huh? Well, first of all, it was a great experiment, I guess. I should start there. I didn't even know if someone like myself who knew absolutely nothing about social media could even start a blog. I called it an online magazine that could become a leader in its space. I saw a lot of things back then, Eric. Uh, one of the things that I noticed was that, you know, back in 2008, 2009, when I was kind of, you know, hemming and exploring this idea, one of the things that I noticed that was a gaping hole was that there was very few people that were talking about the how of social media. A lot of people were talking about the what's wrong with social media or the why you should consider social media. But it was the how stuff that was really popular. And one of the first things that I noticed 
was that the articles that people were writing about the deep, detailed how-to stuff was like going crazy viral on social. And I'll give you a couple of quick stories. I wrote two different pieces, one for copy blogger and one for marketing profs. And um, I can't remember what the one for copy blogger was called, but the one for marketing profs was called The Dark Side of Twitter. And I interviewed a bunch of people for this particular article and um, created this kind of journalistic uh, style article talking about, you know, the, the pros and cons of Twitter. And I did something very similar, I think related to Facebook for uh, Brian Clark over a copy blogger. Both of those articles turned out to be some of the most popular articles that were written on copy blogger and marketing profs. As a matter of fact, Ann Hanley on marketing profs told us it was the most popular article that they had ever had on their website. And, wow. um, I was like, holy cow, you know, clearly writing about social media is um, intriguing to marketers that are already on social media. So I figured, let's give this a try. And we started Social Media Examiner almost about five years ago to this day. I think it was October 12th, if I'm not mistaken, 2009. And, um, you know, like I said, I gave it three years. I figured, you know, it would it might be just another fad. (laughs) I had no clue that, you know, a million plus people a month would be consuming our content today. And it's, it's crazy. The ride is, it's hard to believe it's, it's been five years actually. It is hard to believe it. it, 2012 would have been the three year mark. And that summer was when you were getting ready to launch this very podcast. So obviously you knew it had legs, but originally, what what was the idea? Why did you start Social Media Examiner? Like, where did that, you know, you didn't just have an eye or a pulse on the, the, the landscape. You knew there was something there. What did you know? I think one of my God-given gifts is the ability to, to see trends and to connect disparate data points together. And I... I um, Prior to Social Media Examiner, I had uh, a business called White Paper Source, and I was writing white papers, and actually, that was the name of my book. And um, I started interviewing a lot of people about how to use white papers in uh, conjunction with social to promote white papers, and I began to see that there was a lot of interest amongst uh, marketers and writers who cared about white papers. And then, funny enough... Um, somebody sent me a LinkedIn request and you probably remember those days where you would get these random LinkedIn requests and you probably never use LinkedIn, but you would recognize the person sending you the request. Well, I emailed Ann Hanley, who's the chief marketing, the chief content officer for, for marketing profs. And I had known Ann because I'd spoken at a couple of her events and I said, Hey, can we connect on LinkedIn? And her response, uh, was what about, are you on Facebook? And, and this was probably 2008, early 2009. And I'm like, actually it was 2008. I'm all Facebook. I thought that was for college students. <laughs> <laughs> so it was her question. Are you on Facebook? Me knowing that she was not a um, college student. <laughs> I'm like, wow. what the heck? So I, I, I opened a Facebook account. We became friends on Facebook. And then I started noticing there was this whole little community of, um, uh, people that were not students that were just having a great time on Facebook. And, and, you know, that kind of opened my eyes to what could happen. And that was, you know, kind of how it all started, frankly, you know, every, every idea has a Genesis point, if you will. And that Genesis moment was when she said, well, how about Facebook? <laughs> That's great. 
Oh, man. So then you moved on. You knew as you kicked it off or probably as you started before you even started that there was some kind of way to get the business going. In other words, you had a strategy in mind. I know you're a very strategic thinker. What was your business strategy? Well, yeah, we should probably back up a second because, um, you know, a lot happened from her question to me, hey, are you on Facebook to me deciding to start a whole company? One of the first things that I did was I went to um, GoDaddy, I think it was, and I typed in social media, every every conceivable name you can imagine. (laughs) (laughs) And then all of a sudden the name Social Media Examiner popped in my head and it was available. And I bought it for like $3.99. And I'm like, I'm going to hold on to this. I think this could be useful. And then the first thing that went through my head is, am I going to get sued by the uh, San Francisco Examiner? (laughs) You know, or some other website. And this is before examiner.com, you know, was was around or anything like that. And um, then I did a little research and I realized there was millions, well, not millions, but there there was dozens of newspapers around the world that had the word examiner in them. And they weren't all part of the same company. So I felt a little bit at ease. Then what I ended up doing was um, I decided to um, uh, put together a um, online event under my white paper source brand, but I called it um, Social Media Success Summit. And actually, those that listen to the podcast know that we're doing our sixth annual Social Media Success Summit, um, literally as this recording is, is, is happening in October. And, um, I did that and, um, I brought together a bunch of, of, um, people that I had been building relationships with for about six months. So after I met Anne, I went to an event in San Diego. I got to meet Mari Smith. Denise Wakeman was another person that seemed very active on Facebook. And I had met Denise because of my writing days. So I looked into my network and I looked at everybody in my network who was diving deep into Facebook. Jason Falls from Social Media Explorer was another one. I knew Jason because of um, my white paper days and he used to comment on my, my writing white papers blog all the time. So I started developing a lot of relationships and then I ended up um, uh, really getting to be good friends with a couple people. Uh, Chris Garrett was another one who co-authored the book ProBlogger with Darren Rouse. And um, they all helped me put on this online conference called Social Media Success Summit. Funny little story, Gary Vaynerchuk, um, Mari Smith got him to be our opening keynote. And uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's wife was pregnant with her first child. And um, he said he couldn't do it because it was her due date. So I moved up the entire conference to get Gary Vaynerchuk as our <laughs> keynote. That's great. <laughs> and uh, But long and short of it is that conference, about 200 and some people came to that online summit. And to give you some perspective, we've got more than 3,000 coming now. Yeah. But that was the biggest that I'd ever had. I think maybe it was 300, 380 people. And like everybody loved it because we're talking 2000, you know, um, we're talking 2009, the spring of 2009. And people were going gangbusters over it. And everybody was doing these little webinars and teaching all that they knew about social media. And it had been the best thing that I'd ever done as far as, um, you know, selling tickets. So that's when I decided to um, plant the idea in front of um, uh, a couple people, Mari Smith being one, Chris Garrett being the other one, and Denise Wakeman, and then later Jason Falls. And I said to each of them, would you be willing to start a a group blog, as I called it, with me? And um, all you have to do is write one article a month, and when you're bored or it's not working for you, then stop doing it. And I was going to write um, one article a week 
And then I was going to recruit some of my writing friends to write one article a week. So there was, you know, I had to spread. I was writing one every week. And then a bunch of people were writing one a month for the most part. And we got to the point where we would hopefully, you know, publish three, three days a week. Um, and, you know, this group originally did not think it was a good idea. They felt like too many people were writing about social media. And, um, you know, they weren't sure that the world had room for another blog on social media. But then I had found, and by the way, I had written a report called the Social Media Marketing Industry Report um, in conjunction with the launch of Social Media Success Summit. And that report um, carries on to this day. We put out an uh, an annual report. That report got us so much press, like 40,000 people read that thing in the first two weeks and we were written up all over the place. So that gave me like all of a sudden a little bit of credibility. So at this point, I've written a report using my white paper background. I developed relationships with a lot of key strategic people and I spent about a year doing that. And then I, um, I test ran an online event with my white paper business to see whether or not a, a segment of my white paper audience would be interested in social. So this was all part of the grand strategy, which is to just kind of test everything. And, um, everything, you know, went really well. And it's at that juncture that I said, okay, what do you guys think about a group blog? And, um, and then what I, you know, as I mentioned earlier, they weren't super interested in it at first, but then I had found out that I was going to be speaking at a marketing Sherpa, no, at a marketing profs conference. And, um, Jason falls hooked me up to speak at blog world. And I was going to be speaking about my report that I had done and about how I did the report, what the, what the results of the report were and how we marketed the report. So that was going to happen on October 15th or something like that, three days after the launch of Social Media Success Summit. And I found that out over the summer. Um, So that spurred me to um, hire a designer, build out the website, get commitments from everybody to write the content. And the business model was that we were going to build Social Media Examiner as a movement. And what we were going to do is do absolutely no promotion at all until we reached a certain threshold. And that threshold was at least 10,000 email subscribers. So there was, no, there was going to be no display advertising. There was going to be nothing for sale. It was going to be purely just content um, as a movement. Wow. And I can keep so, going if you want to, you know, probe a little bit, but that, that was the biz, you know, the business model, I guess I didn't totally answer what the business model was. Once we reached 10,000, then the goal was going to be that we were going to do another summit and it was going, we were going to use that list that we had built to promote social media success summit 2010. So the, the first success summit, you said you had, you, you, you assume you had uh, th- about 300 people. Yeah, it was about three or four hundred. I'd say it was about three eighty-five. I think might have been about okay. what it was. And I know that it's basically ten times that going currently going on right now, which is awesome. Um, what was the second summit's attendance? Uh, almost two thousand. Jeez. Yeah, See, almost. Wow. We did one point seven million dollars in our first year. So and the strategy really was based around the summits to begin with. And then the, yeah, the summits. And, and by the way, we followed up um, social media success summit with many more summits. We were doing three a year. So we did Facebook success summit in the fall, social media success summit in the spring. And then in the, in January, we did different summits every year. Like we did one called blogging success summit. We did one called uh, content marketing success summit. 
Um, and I know I'm forgetting some. Oh, we did Small Biz Success Summit. So we did three of these online summits a year, and they all kind of, you know, you know, the biggest was always the Social Media Success Summit. That was kind of our, our like main thing that we sold, and that's all that we did. You didn't have any advertising on the site at the time. We haven't. We have that. never had advertising on the site until literally 2014. Um, 2014 is the first time that we've ever really aggressively had advertising. And even today we only have two little ads on the sidebar. Um, the other ads that are there are really all for our own things. So if I hear you right, I I hear you saying that you've set these kind of threshold goals at different timeline points. And once you reach that, that's when you implement something new. Is that correct? Yeah. I talk about this in my book launch which I ended up publishing, I think, in 2011. Um, If you think about an airplane, when it's landing, and when it's in the air, it's going like, what, three, 400 miles an hour. But when it lands, it puts the flaps up and it starts slowing down for landing, right? So my philosophy is that when you start promoting or marketing something, it's like putting the flaps up on your airplane and you slow down, meaning you don't grow as fast. You're not fueled as fast by the fans, the raving fans, they're less likely to um, uh, evangelize you or to share your content because they see it for what it is, which is really just this mechanism designed to sell something. And in our case, we truly started a online magazine as an editorial with editorial integrity. You know, we had, and we still have to this day, many, many different people editing every single article. And the quality of that content was designed to be top of the line and never ever you know would we ever um uh embed in the content um a lot of sales pitches occasionally we do and for example you know take social media marketing world one of our conferences we'll publish about four or five articles a year that are meant to promote that conference but that's nothing considering how many articles we actually publish a year yeah well, and so that sounds like one of those things where you, you hear bloggers out there these days and they want to grow. It's a natural thing. It's a good thing to want to grow their following, to build their audience. What strategies from what you've learned works well would you suggest to them? Well, there's a couple things. First of all, attract people with great content. Um, uh, well, actually, let's even step back. First, you got to build relationships. Um you know, I learned this the hard way um, uh, because, you know, and I'm sure everyone listening has asked someone a favor and have, has gotten a rejection, you know, um, especially when they're a high profile person. Um, and, I, and I know this now because I'm, you know, asked for a lot of favors from a lot of people. And those people that I that I know personally, that I've met at conferences, that that have done things for me, that have worked on the relationship are the ones that I feel more um, compelled to want to help. So taking relationships, build, building relationships takes time. And I spent a lot of time building relationships and giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. And you know this, Eric, I did this with you before you right. even worked for me. You know, I, I look at people and I say, Hey, you know, um, first of all, is there a way that I can help you? And I really mean it. And sometimes I'll give unsolicited advice to people like, Hey, I noticed you're doing this. Have you thought about this? Um, and I'm never asking for anything in return. And I even to this day do that because that's what real relationships are about. It's about giving. Um, the other thing is to, um, 
make sure that whatever you do with anyone needs to be a win-win all around. So that means you really need to understand the needs of everyone. For example, if you want someone to write for your blog, you need to know what is in it. You need to know what their needs are. For example, if somebody has a brand new book out, um, maybe they're willing to write for your blog because they want to be in front of your audience. Uh, Or maybe they're willing to be interviewed for your blog because they need to promote their book. But if they don't, maybe they won't. So sometimes it's timing. And it's not just experts, it's even writers. Why would someone want to write for your blog? Um, You know, uh, let me back up for a second. You know, in in the world of of, uh, people, there are different kinds of people. There are those that aspire to to, uh, to grow and there, and there are those that are already very successful and can be choosy. So the ones that are really successful and can be choosy, um, everybody tends to go after those people and those people are harder to get because they build thicker skin because they're, everybody wants a piece of them. And, but, but the ones that are the diamonds and the rough are the ones that you should go after. I'll give you a little example. Uh, Jay bear, who is now an undisputed thought leader in the world of social media. I met him at that conference Eric, that we were talking about, uh, the marketing profs conference in Chicago. And he was just getting started with his blog. He was brilliant and we hit it off and I knew that he was trying to really grow. So I said to him, would you be willing to write a monthly column for social media examiner? I think it'll help you get in front of a bigger audience. And then I eventually asked him to speak because a lot of people covet the opportunity to speak. And to be honest with you, I think Jay bear has probably spoken at every single thing that I've ever, ever ever had because he was that good. And I helped Jason, you know, I wasn't the only person, but I helped Jason and now Jason's a superstar. So when you help people become superstars, they become friends forever. Um, a couple other things, if you're willing to let me ramble for a second here. Um, also the content side of things, it's really important that you attract people with the right kind of content at social media examiner. We focus a lot on the how to stuff. We do case studies where we actually have a writer who interviews someone and reveals how they did what they do. Success stories is another way of saying that. We do original research, but we also write about other research that's been written by other people. And we are actively giving our interpretation of that research. We do Saturday news wrap-ups. So we we monitor what's going on in, in the industry. We become hopefully indispensable. The idea here is we want a marketer who's our target audience to say, why should I worry about going to any other blog when everything I need is at social media examiner? So that's what we're attempting to do. And then the other thing is to um, grow an email list. You know, we have, as you mentioned, 290,000 people that get a daily email from us. I mean, that's crazy. Don't you think that's crazy? That's just, it's insane, but it, it's true. I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. And, and it's actually been more like a half a million people because what happens is, we might add a thousand email subscribers every day and get 300 unsubscribes every day. But the 300 unsubscribes are usually people that have been with us for quite a long time and they just can't handle the frequency, you know, or maybe they've grown out of their need for us. But the point of the matter is that having a strategy where you can feed daily this audience via email, because they'll never forget about you when they're on their email list. um, That's like giving them a little gift every single day. And when you do that enough, you don't need a lot of people to go out there and share your stuff for it to go viral. And you don't need a lot of people to, um, to say, Hey, you need to check these guys out before you become very, very important in your industry. 
Yeah. And one of the things, and this is not a plug, but one of the things that I notice is, especially for from my experiences with a, with a site like Social Media Examiner, when you don't want to miss anything that's on the site, it's best to just sign up for the email newsletter and even set up like a, a Google filter or rule so that you always have it starred and marked and you've got them so that you can search them and find them easy. So I'll tell you again, a little secret. Not a plug, but I'll, t- I'll tell you a little secret. Uh, and this is a little marketing secret for everybody out there. Uh, our email newsletter is daily. And if you sign up for our email newsletter, um, along the line, we realized that some people couldn't handle the daily frequency. So hidden in the footer of the newsletter, it says, uh, is daily too much for you? Switch over to our weekly newsletter. So the only way anybody finds out about our weekly newsletter is that, is that they start on our daily newsletter. And um, our weekly newsletter is a wrap up of the eight to 10 articles that we publish every week. And, um, but the only way to get to it is to get to it from the daily newsletter. Why is that? Because we don't want people to be fed weekly. We want them to be fed daily. You got to eat daily. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. So you heard that here first. This is the first time you've ever revealed that publicly. Is that right? That's correct. (laughs) Don't tell anybody. I won't, I I won't tell anybody. So uh, as you're growing, as you're, you've built these relationships with no, you know, desire for, it's not, it's altruistic. You're not trying to seek out reciprocity for its own sake. You're truly giving for the sake of giving because that's what we should be doing. And it comes back to you so much more because of that. You've got this audience and it continues to grow. How do you then at, at these different growth points or inflection points as Michael Hyatt calls them start to monetize social media examiner. Well, I already mentioned the online events, which is the obvious thing. Um, along the way, as we grew, we began to realize that doing three online events a year was a heck of a lot of work. And it meant that we were always promoting something because there's like a 60 to 90 day promotional cycle for every one of these events. And it was pretty much killing me. So along the way, we, um, we began to put a lot of our eggs into the one event that was our big event, which is social media success summit. And eventually we would cancel all the other summits and only do social media success summit. Um, we, we began monetizing, we began, uh, HubSpot of all companies, um, came to us very early and and said, Hey, do you offer advertising in your newsletter? I hadn't even thought about that. And I'm like, well, no, but I'm willing to work with you. So we ended up working out a deal where we would advertise their free eBooks. And the condition for me was that if we had an advertiser in our newsletter, that was a little less stressful than having ads all over our blog, because those people that have opted into our newsletter have given us permission to send something to their inbox every day. They're the more loyal crowd, if you will. And, um, and in that newsletter first would be, uh, an abstract of our article in one paragraph. And then below that would be a free resource. And all the advertisements had to be a free resource, a free ebook, a free webinar, something of added value, not a free demo. So that was the condition and HubSpot was a perfect sponsor because they were pumping out content and still are to this day in crazy volumes and numbers. Well, as HubSpot began to um, become a pretty significant alternative source of revenue for us, uh, we began to come up with a strategy to sell other sponsors into that newsletter. And we're now at the point where we have, you know, up to two ads every day um, in our newsletter. And that is um, 
some of the best form of marketing for our sponsors because it's a huge amount of people and it goes into their email inbox and they can get this massive burst over a couple days instead of this little trickle that they might get if they were to do display advertising or Google advertising or something like that. So that's turned out to be a pretty significant, although the least significant um, portion of our revenue. We did turn on display advertising uh, on Social Media Examiner um, uh, maybe six months ago over the summer because we have this little break after Social Media Marketing World and before Social Media Success Summit where we don't really have anything for sale. And, and during that period of time, we went ahead and turned on display advertising. And we do offer display advertising for sale on our website. Very few people have taken us up on it. So mostly what we're doing is just, you know, Google AdWords, I think it's called, or Ad, no, AdSense. And then the other really, really big part of our, our revenue is our physical conference, Social Media Marketing World. I would say that that is actually the biggest portion of revenue for us. And um, the funny story there was that we've only been doing that for two years. Um, it turned out that we didn't, we didn't know it, but a lot of people that read our publication were anxious to get together and meet together. Yeah. Well, and, and hence the reason when, and when I, I was surprised to see, uh, I attended social media marketing world this past 2014. And one of the things that I was struck by how special it was and what really made it stand out from other conferences I'd been to was how much time you and your team had facilitated for network networking to take place, like networking on the, the boat, uh, an aircraft yep. carrier yep. <laughs> and, and also a boat in the Harbor. And then, but not only those bigger events, but all the little in between time, like they say, one of the best things about a conference is to spend time in the hallways, but you had places set up that were like fancy and nice that didn't have, you didn't have to be in the hallway. You could be in a number of different spaces that were just c- so special and conducive to networking, which well, I, I knew social media people loved communicating with each other, and um, I wished I'd been to so many conferences, and I wished they would have listened to my feedback and um, made it easy for people to communicate with each other, and not just everybody go to a bar. I remember, I remember uh, being at a conference. I will not mention the name of the conference, but they took over a bar. And uh, the music was so loud, everybody was basically on their iPhones and nobody was talking to each other and nobody was doing anything. And it was like, they may as well have been by themselves. <laughs> you know? So I wanted to create environments that were conducive to the kind of interaction that social people love. And uh, it turns out I was onto something. And, uh, you know, what's really cool is we had, gosh, I think it was 41 different countries from all over the world. People from India, Saudi Arabia, China. Australia all came to San Diego for social media marketing world. And I think, I think once we did that conference, um, and the fact that we had 1700 people there this year, I think that's taken our business to an entirely new level. Well, it sounds like you've just had one success after another and can do no wrong. So let me make sure that, that we kind of keep it real here. What was one of your biggest failures and Uh what did it teach you? Well, first of all, I've been an entrepreneur for 18 years and this is like my 10th or 12th business. Most of the others failed. So um, I want people to understand that I have failed my way to success. And it's very important to understand that. Um, But one of the more costly experiments that we did was we created this thing called the networking clubs. Um, I noticed about two and a half years ago, maybe three years ago, that we were becoming a little too reliant on Facebook. And if Facebook ever decided to change, we were going to be in deep (laughs) doo-doo. 
<laughs> and it turned out I was kind of right because Facebook did change, and a lot of a lot of um, those of us that built really big communities on Facebook are now wondering how to best handle it. So we built our own social network. It was uh, it was on Social Media Examiner. It was called the Networking Clubs, and it was it was technology. I hired a custom developer. We were using a, a series of different technologies that allowed people to have their own social profiles. It allowed them to um, interact with each other in forums, and we had all these different groups set up for different kinds of um, you know interests and stuff. And it was going really well. And then all of a sudden, it just kind of started slowly but surely t- being taken over by the spammers. And despite every time we would try to do a developer update, there'd be literally, I kid you not, like every few minutes, spam accounts would be created and they were just taking over everything. And when you get to the point where um, the spammers come into town, everybody leaves. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a gangsters. You know, when the gangsters come in, everybody runs for the hills. And that's exactly what happened. So I made the decision to shut down the networking clubs after investing well over $100,000 in them. And we decided to just go ahead and, and open up our own club on LinkedIn. And we had, um, we had at least 15,000 people in our own little private social community that we had built. Um, but we moved over to LinkedIn and LinkedIn, as it turned out, offered a lot of the similar functionality with their groups. And now we have, gosh, what do we have? How many people do we have in in our networking club? 27,000, something like that. So instead of calling it the networking clubs, we changed it to the networking club, moved over to LinkedIn and now it's, you know, twice as big as it was. And, um, you know, the, the moral of the story here is that sometimes if you can't beat them, join them. You know, uh, I didn't realize how much work it was going to be to try to build my own net, my own little niche network. I underestimated the development nightmares and the spam side of things and, and, and the server challenges. It was a nightmare. So in that particular situation, I, you know, saw all the, the attributes and benefits of LinkedIn. And to this day, LinkedIn has really been quite good. So for now, that's where... Um, we're putting our flag when it comes to um, allowing people to network and interact with each other. You continue to keep trying new things and branching out. And, and so I don't see that happening. I don't see that ending anytime soon, but you started a podcast. (laughs) How did you get interested in podcasts? Why did you decide to make one for this business? And what has it done for social media examiner? I was working Back in the day, we used to do these webinars as a promotion for our online summits. And I was out there studying um, a number of different people and what they were doing, looking for some good case examples. And I began to notice a couple people that I respect, like Jay Bear, uh, Pat Flynn, and a couple other people, Michael Hyatt, had just recently started a podcast. And um, and I started noting, noticing that these guys were early on a trend. And I was like, huh, what the heck are they doing here? I don't even listen to podcasts. I don't even know what this is. And this is 2012, right? Yeah, this is the summer of 2012. And um, I had become friends with Cliff Ravenscraft, who we both are good friends with. And he's the podcast answer man. And I'd had him on my show. Uh, I mean, I'd I'd interviewed him in front of the camera. You know, I I did these on-camera interviews at conferences. And I had um, profiled him here and there and had him on one of my summits. And I reached out to him and I said, Cliff, I got the bug. And this was in the spring of uh, 2012. I want to do this. And he agreed to um, do one-on-one coaching and consulting with me. And I said to him, I want to be your best student ever. And um, I decided I was all in. And um, 
to be honest with you, it was one of the, you know, once I started my podcast, you know, we had built such a big community. It almost immediately became a top podcast in our category. And, um, and then all of a sudden we dropped off the new and notable list and I felt depressed. (laughs) (laughs) And then all of a sudden I had to work even harder and I'm like, okay, I'm going to work and I'm going to work and I'm going to work. And, you know, um, I can tell you that the podcast has done for us amazing things. Um, we are now because of our very, very hard work, typically in the top five in the, um, in the marketing category and in the top 25 in the business category on iTunes. And, um, I cannot tell you, it was really my coming out, if you will, from behind the curtain, like the wizard of Oz, because up to this point, social media examiner was not necessarily, people didn't know who Mike Stelzner was. They knew who the brand was. Yes, when my book came out, they kind of knew I was the guy behind the brand. But when the podcast came out, it really catapulted me uh, as a thought leader in our space all of a sudden. And I would go to shows and people would say, I hear Mike Stelzner's voice, but I don't know what he looks like. (laughs) (laughs) And um, all of a sudden, it was just this awesome thing. And I love interviewing people. I'd been doing it even since my white paper days. And I would say it's actually the most enjoyable thing that I do right now for Social Media Examiner. I don't write anymore. Um, the only content that I produce really is the podcast, this particular podcast. And I would say that it's um, it's part of a, a multi-tiered uh, strategy. So we've got our blog, um, which is the biggest blog in our space. We've got our podcast listeners and we're the biggest podcast in our space, but they're not the same people necessarily. People that listen to podcasts don't necessarily read, which is what I learned. So it drew in a whole new audience. And then we've got our conference, which is the biggest conference in our space. So you could argue that these are the three legs of the stool that allows us this incredible stability. So I would say that um, I think the podcast is essential. I would say so. And I think that uh, so... Earlier on, I asked you, you know, how a blogger per se would grow or branch out and and increase their following. I'm assuming you would naturally say, for the most part, that next step, or if they haven't considered it yet, they should be considering doing a podcast, correct? I think so. And I've seen a lot of our friends that, uh, or a lot of my friends, because, you know, I've been in this industry now for coming on five years. A lot of people have decided that used to be bloggers are now just podcasters and they're taking their podcast and turning that into the content on their blog. And that is all that they're doing. So I would say you could go either direction. You know, I think you could start as a podcaster and then become a blogger. In the olden days, you know, uh, podcasts weren't nearly as big as they are right now. They're kind of in a revival stage right now. So I would say, you know, while blogging is essential, why not, why not do blogging and podcasting together? Now I will tell you, there are some bloggers that just do not feel comfortable talking. Um, some people are more verbal and some people are more, you know, written word kind of things. So it has to be the, it has to be the right fit for your business. But, but I do believe that a podcast and a blog together can become a super weapon. Let's see. So 2012, when was the podcast launch? August or September? I think, yeah, somewhere August or somewhere September. Somewhere in there. So it's, it, it's now. It was actually, August. It was it, August, yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. now, you know, just over two years old. I know that since that was, say, six, seven months prior to the launching of Social Media Marketing World, your first live in-person um, conference, you probably already had that idea in your head, didn't you? Well, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. 
Um, the name of the podcast is called Social Media Marketing. What's the name of the conference? Social Media Marketing World. That was part of my marketing strategy. The podcast was going to be an experiment in the beginning, as everything I do is, to see whether or not it could be a promotional tool for social media marketing world. And guess who my guess who my guests were on the podcast? They were the speakers at Social Media Marketing World. So the hope in the beginning was to actually um, uh, reveal these people to my audience. And the hope would be that some of those people would say, how much more will I learn from them if I go to the conference and get to meet these people live and hear from them live? And of course, it turned out to be way more than that now. You know, now, yeah. now the podcast is its own little entity in this company, uh, which is instrumental to really everything that we do. It's brilliant. <laughs> to be honest. And, and and one of the great things I think that I see there is, you know, Cliff Ravenscraft and, and a bunch of other people talk about this, this intimacy that podcasting can deliver over a lot of other, almost all other, really, uh, forms of media or content delivery. And by you interviewing those speakers, they not only learn to listen to you and the speaker, but they learned to trust you. And so they, they felt comfortable and secure and knew that they wanted to go to social media marketing world. Right. Oh yeah. And you know, what's funny is I, um, I did a survey and about a third of the people in the audience listened to the podcast. So what does that tell you? <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So then the, the podcast kind of led to social media marketing world. How did creating that physical conference change well, I would say social media business. marketing world led to the creation of the podcast. You know, I'd, I'd okay. reverse it. But um, but the question about how did social media marketing world, what, what were you asking about that? How did it impact our how, brand? Yeah. How did that impact the brand? Like, you, oh, you my gosh. It, it and... took it to an entirely new level because right. it kind of it kind of brought something that's online and digital atoms into physical form. And, um, uh, you know, we heard over and over and over. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe this is your first conference. Best conference ever. I think I said that, <laughs> you know, um, and we, we, you know, and you were there the second year, but, yeah. um, we heard that over and over and over the first year, I just kind of am a stickler for quality. You know, I'm not one of these kind of least viable product kind of guys. I'm instead one of these kind of guys that if we're going to do this, I want to do this better than everybody else, you know, in my space, at least if not in the world. So, um, so yeah, I mean the conference itself, um, basically increased our credibility in a massive way because all of a sudden we were the biggest conference in our space, like literally by three or four X overnight. And, um, I think it gave us a lot of respect. I think that, um, I think it helped, you know, um, there's nothing, if you go back to the origin story, it all happened face to face, right? A lot of these people I met face to face at other people's conferences. So I knew the power of face to face and I just knew that if I could bring together thousands of people face to face, that the outcome of that for the industry could be massive. And indeed, that's exactly what happened. And now this conference is, is growing and growing and growing. And, um, you know, we haven't even announced uh, next year's conference, but we're expecting 2,500 people to come to that conference and 4,000 the following year. So we're definitely on a crazy growth, uh, growth plan here. I know you can't give any real details Maybe, maybe you can uh, about what you're planning and thinking and creating and concocting in the social media kitchen. But how, what are you looking forward to coming up? What are you, again, if you can't share? Yeah, I, here's the feel. deal. I can, there's, here's the thing. 
there's always a lot of ideas baking inside of my head at different rates. Some some is in my slow cook oven. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere in the pressure cooker. And some is in the deep fryer, okay? And it's cooking <laughs> quick. But um, uh, a lot of these ideas that are in my head are not fully developed yet. But I can tell you that 2014 has been the year of no new things. So 2014 was um, all about making everything that we do better. Um, if you will, uh, fortifying the bridges, earthquaking, everything, making sure we have the proper staff and personnel to grow. 2015 is going to be the year of new things. And there are going to be multiple new things, some rather radical and unique that will be announced in 2015. And that's all I'm going to tease you with. (laughs) All right. Well, in closing, I feel like the theme that I'm hearing is that regardless of how many times you try and fail, there's some principles that you kind of hold true, hold dear to your heart as true as you consistently move forward in this whole process. Uh, aside from pacing, which I hear you saying, you know, 2014 being the year of no new things, so that 2015 can be a year of new things. What are some of these principles that you want to leave the audience with in terms of considering, in terms of building a business online or growing their social media following and their relationships networking online? I think one of the keys to our success is the fact that we try really hard to make sure it's a win for everyone always in everything that we do. So it means taking the time to truly understand what the needs of our audiences are, what the needs of our speakers are, what the needs of our writers are, what the needs of our employees are. So um, that takes time. So I would suck at The Apprentice. You know, I don't even know if that show's still on anymore. I just freak out even watching the thing because they've got like 48 hours to pull off a miracle. I'm like, I'm like the tortoise, you know, I'm the tortoise that wins the race because I'm, I'm not going to give up and because I'm going to take my time and I'm going to get it done. Right. Um, the other thing is to never underestimate the importance of giving without asking for anything in return. Um, I really do believe in the power of giving gifts. You could argue that this podcast is a gift, that our articles are a gift, but even people that buy what we have to offer, hopefully they're finding more value than what they what they intended to get when they purchased. Um, so just always be looking out for the needs of other people. That's one of the premises that we, uh, you know, um, we built this foundation on. And I think when you when you put people first, and you don't put yourself first. That's when the world will take care of you, and that's exactly what happened at Social Media Examiner. Well, I've seen that happen in in every interaction that I've had with you. So. Uh, I I know it's working. (laughs) You can see the success of Social Media Examiner continuing to grow. So, Michael, thank you so much for being on your show. Eric, thank you for having me on my own show. (laughs) (laughs) It's been my pleasure. Well, I hope you found value in that interview and in our backstory. If there's anything that I mentioned or you want to just say happy fifth birthday, visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 114, socialmediaexaminer.com slash 114, and we take all the notes for you. Also, never miss a future episode of this podcast by hitting the subscribe button on whatever technology you are listening to this on. Also, if you've been a regular listener to the show and you've not yet done so, would you consider going over to socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes or socialmediaexaminer.com slash Stitcher 
and leaving us a rating and or a review. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.